0: Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're going to love her latest selection?
1: And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they suggested. That's us! (laughs) We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. And I like good books. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> all of the stuff that I listen to, it's a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves in space operas. Oh, you just wait. Hmm. Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books.
0: Each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a book
1: she would never have picked up on her own. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see.
0: I'm very excited to talk about our selection this month. Um, It's Underground Airlines, with an S, by Ben Winters, also with an S. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Winters because he's a contemporary author. In fact, he's 42 years old. Mm -hmm. He's from Maryland. He grew up in Maryland, which is my stomping grounds. In (laughs) fact, part of this book is set in Gaithersburg, where I grew up and my parents still live. So that was kind of a weird shout out that I was not expecting, but I got a little tickle out of that. Um, And I was surprised to learn only after reading the book, and I actually listened to it twice, um, that he's white, Um, The book is strongly uh, associated with black culture because it's about slavery. and I think he did a terrific job, um, and I'm interested to talk about that with you.
1: Yeah, I was interested as well. So just kind of a general overview of the book, it's um, it's an alternative reality book. Mm-hmm. And usually with alternative reality, which is much more my style of book than it is Christine. So I know. This I was, was a big surprise that I picked this I book. I was fascinated <laughs> that she picked this book. Um, Do you so, see how open-minded I am now? Um. Well, let's keep talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Usually with alternative reality or alternative fantasy, you take one specific thing and you change it and you see how that plays out over the course of the story you've built. And in this particular book, the one factor that the author Ben Winters changed is that there was no civil war. And Lincoln
0: is shot on his way to the inauguration yes. in Indianapolis.
1: <clears throat> and because he shot beforehand, it actually is a turning point that brings the cessationists back to the table mm-hmm. and they decide as a group of politicians to continue on as one union, but to allow states that were prev- that were currently slaveholding states to continue to do so. And they do all these really weird um, oh,
0: compromises yeah. that are horrible. Yeah. And they make um, adjustments to the Constitution saying mm-hmm. that there can't be any amendments that change
1: Those anything five. about yeah. uh, slavery. So the majority of the book is set in present day. Mm-hmm. And the way that the author frames it, is that there are four states in the Union that continue to be slave holding and they're called the hard four. Mm-hmm. And within those boundaries, it's, it's as if you stepped back in horrible time. And our protagonist in this book, Victor, as he is called, is um, a current slave himself. And he, I think he was. Well, we learn that Later in the –
0: yeah, later in the book. We give you the little – wait, we need to do our spoiler alert. That's right. Spoiler alert. Because this book has a lot of twists and turns. Yes. And if you want to read this book on your own, you really should read it before you listen to us talk about it. And it's too late it. Yeah, we've ruined it. Sorry. So so let's pretend we haven't ruined it (laughs) and say stop now and Mm -hmm. read it or listen to
1: it and then come back to us. So – It's too late now, but you could still do that. So Victor, our main character, his job is to track down runaways. He's a bounty hunter. He's a bounty hunter. And the story is part mystery because he's trying to find out what happened to this one person, part really strong introspection about Mm -hmm. who he is and what his purpose is, and part alternative history. It was Mm -hmm. a fascinating read. And I read it in print version, and I've only read it the once. And I didn't read up on the author until I was done. So I'm reading, 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 reading. You get to the end and you flip open the back and you look at the book cover and you're like, oh, wow, he's Caucasian. Pasty white guy. (laughs) Yeah, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Because it does not come across that way from the style point. Um, When I was doing my research afterwards, there were lots and lots of articles from him and other authors and publishers about his journey to get this book published. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you found some of the same ones Mm -hmm. that – He had some publishers reject him because this was not his culture. There was some appropriation maybe in there. Sure. And some particularly African-American authors or screenwriters Mm -hmm. who uh, were really nervous and worried about how he was going to do it. Um, I liked one quote here. It's from a fellow author called Attica Locke. She writes for the TV show Empire, uh, among other things. And she said – there's always this chatter about who gets to tell which stories, and I am grateful, so grateful, that he did not let his choice to have a black protagonist scare him away from this project. Because this is everybody's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. It's,
0: yeah, I, I saw that quote too, and I thought that very beautifully summed up. Mm-hmm. I think he did a very. Um, one of the things that was interesting to me is. It is such an emotional story that he doesn't really tug on your heartstrings because the story itself already does or the -hmm. the subject matter already does. So he's very objective about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he uses these euphemisms that just are horrific. But it's exactly what it's exactly the kind of language I would assume would be used under the circumstances. So even though, you know, we can't really know what would be authentic because it never happened, it feels like this is exactly how it would have happened. Yeah. Given the situation
1: he presents us with. Well, part of what was really intriguing to me reading more about him as an author was his history as an author. Mm -hmm. So he is a contemporary author, as you say. He's relatively young. Mm -hmm. He's from Maryland. So, you know, he's kind of on that part of the coast. And um, he – his professional writing up until – kind of this series and the one prior to it. He wrote uh, parody and fantasy titles. Mm -hmm. I had actually read one before and hadn't remembered it. Yes. (laughs) So he wrote a book called Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, which is a fantasy parody of Sense and Sensibility. And his co-author listed on the book is Jane Austen. Of course. Of course it is. And he wrote um, Android Karenina Mm -hmm. because there was this whole thing. It started with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... I, I don't know that I ever would have put the two of those together. Like, that's where he started writing and this is where he ended up. Yeah, this is very sophisticated. <laughs> yes, yeah. And his other series that he did, the trilogy, the last policeman trilogy, mm-hmm. the premise for that was also really compelling. Mm-hmm. It was about a policeman who's investigating a case, but the whole world is aware that there's an and- there is an – there is what are those things that f- come from the sky? Android? No, or that's Connor? not it. A- Comet? Sure. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. There's a comet that's gonna break off and hit Earth in six uh-huh. months. So how do you balance your day-to-day obligations of your job and justice and liberty with knowing that Earth could be destroyed <laughs> in six months? So he's just got this fascinating kind of zigzag path in his story. So anyways. Yes. So um Victor, our protagonist in
0: Underground Airlines, works for the U.S. Marshall Service uh-huh. and they have been tasked with the horrible duty of returning slaves to their rightful slave owners um, in the hard four. Uh And that's part of the Constitution that has been amended in this universe um, so that it doesn't matter even if you are an abolitionist and you don't agree with slavery at all. Um, that's
1: part of what you buy into as being an American citizen. Mm-hmm. It's part of the glue that they have built that holds together this union. Right. You may not like it, right. but you're by law required to participate. It, yeah. And so I'm going to give you just a few things that I loved
0: about this and then I want to hear your, your take on it. Okay. Um, as usual. I read. I mean, I listened. I did not read. (laughs) And the reader in this did a magnificent job. He has this fabulous voice. And um, there were a lot of accents. There was uh, Father Barton's Irish brogue. Mm. Uh, Maris has an African accent. And there are a whole bunch of Southern-flavored accents that I thought the reader did a terrific job. And I knew who was talking even before the quote was identified by the way that the reader read them. And so he was dynamite. Hmm. Um, I didn't get any of those because right. I listened. So in my head, no, read. they all had California accents,
1: <laughs> all of them.
0: The, ironically, the only accent that seemed to trip him up is at the very end of the book, there's a Midwestern accent <laughs> that he could not get the <laughs> nasal part down. But I can forgive him that. Um, mm. But in terms of Winters, I thought the writing was absolutely beautiful. He um, he struck just the right amount of um, description to me. Like I could see what he was seeing. I could smell what he was smelling. But he did it with an efficient use of words, so it was not Dickensian where it took three pages <laughs> to tell us how sweaty the horse
1: was. You know, there was none of that. You didn't it was, see the bead rolling down no. the horse's neck as it slowly traveled. I yeah. did not. No, no, it was
0: it was really, really tight writing. Yeah. Um, but he didn't miss anything. I thought that it was just really beautiful and um,
1: and sympathetic, I thought. I agree. I I also thought that the writing style was very well done. It was... It was cleverly composed in such a way that it was engaging and it made you want to keep reading mm-hmm. even if you were uncomfortable and unhappy with the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled out one specific line that I went back to a couple of times and it was early in the book and it's when Victor is just starting off his hunt for the the person he's currently looking for and you don't really know a lot about him yet or what his job is and he's met with um, – Father Barton mm-hmm. and he 's trying to convince this this man of the cloth to help him find a woman mm-hmm. and when the father turns away, uh, the phrase they use is that Victor is composing this face of grief, mm-hmm. and it gives you all the details you need to know about what 's going on in that interchange between them. In a minimalistic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's he's pulling a fast one, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He says it really, really concisely. Agreed, for sure. Um, one of the other things that I loved about the book was I thought Winters did a fascinating job of figuring out the economic impacts of yes, what slavery, if the U.S. still had slavery, um, what it would do to the country, and it never dawned on me. I, I never took an economics class, so mm-hmm. i that's just not how my brain works. but it was fantastic. like he would All the cars are these dumpy, horrible cars, and it's set in 2016, and the car that Victor drives has a tape deck in it Yes, because the U.S. is so far behind the rest of the world in technology that he's saying, oh, I might get a CD player in Uh my next
1: car. Well, and he's saying that many countries won't trade with the U.S. and that we were actually ejected from the U.N. because of our –
0: in Stands the story, the this, this
1: stance on slavery. And the British representative said good riddance yes. when I think it was Henry
0: Kissinger in this <laughs> said that the U.S. was going to not be bullied by the U.N. Mm-hmm. and was going to um, bow out. So, yeah, he, I thought he did a really nice job of taking um, – True historical figures mm-hmm. like Michael Jackson factors in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Kissinger. There's um, citations of uh, Martin Luther
1: King Jr. with Absolutely. a slight twist on it. Yeah, yes, yeah.
0: they all fit into his narrative, um, but kind of true to form. Oh, James Brown. Has, oh yes, he's an escaped slave, and he now performs
1: in only in Canada and beyond. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so it was very. I thought he took everyday aspects that I would not have thought to think of. Mm-hmm. And showed you, yeah, and this is what else would happen. Yeah, and this is what else would happen. And
1: I love that aspect of it. One piece that I particularly enjoyed about that, because I agree, this was very well – a well-rounded world. Sometimes you read alternative histories and they, they changed one piece mm-hmm. and then they extrapolate out in really weird ways. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's fine. You get creative license, but I can't follow it. Right. So this one, it was all – Unfortunately, logical. Yeah. Um, so he's got one section where he's talking about Texas and this huge war that Texas had with the rest of the Union when it was attempting to secede mm-hmm. because it disagreed with the slaveholding practices of those hard four, right. and the economic impact of that and what happened to the Gulf of Mexico. Right. And it was it was very thorough and thoughtfully played out. Yep. You, you could imagine that that was real. And yes. Yes. Yeah. And another. This was another um, aspect
0: that. Absolutely gave me the heebie-jeebies, but I thought it was brilliant and fascinating. Victor refers multiple times to a pigmentation chart. Oh, yes. all slaves have all of their physical features cataloged and photographed and in this really disturbingly accurate and thorough way. And so as he's seeing other black people, he says, oh, she's 126, honey brown or, Mm -hmm. you know— And he just does it unconsciously because that's his job and he's so good at it. And I just
1: thought, oh, that is horrible and probably pretty accurate. So yes to all of those things. And also then I tried to think, like, what color would I be itemized as? Because I am as pale as the moon. Uh So it would be translucent or something (laughs) awful like that. Yeah, I can kind of see your heart beating. Yeah. It's all the veins in there. It's (laughs) pieces like that. So the the tone pigmentation chart and... um, um they didn't call people slaves uh-uh. they called them persons bound to labor pbs pbs for short all of those pieces tied together there was this huge theme which i can only imagine was true when the united states actually had slaves about the dehumanization process of making a person a unit yeah. and what that means for the person right. who is being called not a person anymore right. and what that means for the people around them. Um, as you get further into the book, um, they're they're trying to infiltrate a southern company. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're talking with a, a lower-level manager in this company trying to kind of wheel their way into where they need to go. And eventually he finds them out. Mm-hmm. And... They've got him at gunpoint, right? And no, at finger point. Oh, at finger point. Excuse me. Because <laughs> there's no at, gun involved. At fake gunpoint. <laughs> right. And this man, looking at Victor, a, a white man looking at a black man, is saying, he he starts high and then he works his way low. So first he says, "I never hurt," uh, and then a, an expletive that I'm not going to use. Right. And then he said, "I never hurt a slave." And then he said, "I never hurt a black person." Right. And the progression of phraseology, yeah. was. Powerful, but also the fact that it appeared to me that he really thought that, mm-hmm. that because he didn't personally mm-hmm. have someone in his household and that he wasn't involved in the day-to-day process with these people that he considered to be chattel, right. that he totally negated any responsibility that he had right. for participating in the system. right? Horrifying. It, it Absolutely. And one of the things that I found so um,
0: true to life um, was – he, uh Winters goes to great lengths to talk about cruelty-free certification of oh. goods. And it's this, this combination of – I guess I was really interested in the economic impact mm-hmm. just because, again, I, I have no experience with that. But, um, so he goes through this whole thing about how goods get certified as being cruelty-free, sure. which we certainly do with mm-hmm. animal testing yep. and um,
1: – Organic you know, foods. Yep, and, the yeah.
0: rainforest and all kinds of stuff. But you never really know what that label means, yeah. and here you didn't <laughs> know at all. And no. yet people in Massachusetts would buy their um, Paper cotton goods and, yep. knowing, and I say that with air quotes, yeah. that they were cruelty-free because they couldn't possibly have come from the hard four.
1: Yes. Um, the, the, whole, the whole trajectory of this book was – so I read it all over the course of about a day. And, by the way, you should be extremely proud of me, Christine and everyone who is listening. Both of you. All Amy. All, all Amy and of mom. You. Hi, mom. Hi, Amy. So I read this book – The weekend before the podcast. (gasps) I know. It was like a miracle. And the world did not implode. It was very odd, though. So I finished (laughs) it early. And then I sat there and I reread some specific sections and I I took a lot of notes about it. And one of the other overall themes that I found the more I was going back through my notes, not just the theme of dehumanizing a person. Right. But the theme of the subjugation of self, Mm -hmm. not just the subjugation of others. Mm -hmm. So... Subjugation of Others is an obvious slap in the face in this book. That's right. what the whole story is about. But our main character, I had a really hard time connecting to him um, because I could not figure out who he was. Right. He, he calls himself Victor for part of the story. He calls himself brother for part of the story. Mm-hmm. He, his brother calls him honey. His brother calls him and honey. Love. And love. His mother whispered his name in his ear when he was a child and he has never shared it. Right. And he is so conflicted within himself that Mm -hmm. I cannot – I was not able to get a good grasp on which actions were driven by his true purpose and which actions were driven by his required obligation to service. So I 100 percent agree with that. And
0: um, I first listened to this book about six months ago Mm. and I had heard on it – heard – about it on NPR, and I thought to myself, I can't do that. That book is going to make me too sad. I can't read it. I can't read it because it you know was sure got great reviews. It was on the New York Times bestseller list, yep. all that kind of stuff. And I thought, nope, I can't do it. It's going to make me too sad. And yeah. then finally, I thought, you know, all right, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> read this, even if it's hard. Yeah. It knocked my socks off. And I thought about this book and I blabbed to you about it and I blabbed to everybody who would listen about it <laughs> for a good six weeks. And I just thought so much about it. And then when I re-listened to it in uh, preparation for the podcast, yeah. I saw Victor through such different eyes. So I wonder if you read it again in a year if because initially he is so conflicted and you don't see his humanity and you see him as this just robot who's justifying this horrible stuff that he's doing. Uh-huh. But I felt like the second time I read it, I saw the cracks of humanity a lot earlier yeah. than I recognized them the first time. Okay. And so um, I I thought the author did a really lovely job of making him – he's resisting it because why would you want to suffer? Through, why would you want to take responsibility for the 210 people you'd sent back to service when yeah. you knew what service was because he lived at for 14 years? Yes. So it, it all made sense to me and I found him to be – an incredibly inspiring and real portrayal of
1: somebody who had suffered. I'll agree with that in part, having not read it a second time. Maybe I will pick up on some of those um, fluctuations earlier. And he did have moments where he spoke to me, and Mm -hmm. it was clear that he was conflicted. You know, he had one section where he was thinking to himself and he said, I really was not a person. I was neither black nor white. I was just action. I was just work. I was Mm -hmm. a machine. And you can tell that he is trying to drill that into himself, that he is not the person who is doing these actions. He is just a force of action that is required to do it. And then you see these little pieces in there, like um, he left food behind for a mother and son that didn't have it. And he, he gets physically ill at some points in this process, thinking about his own past. Right. Um, and I don't want to talk too much about his his brother because that was a really odd point for me as well. Mm-hmm. But if, if you all out there have a chance to read it, uh, his relationship with his brother Castle was uh, difficult mm-hmm. and ended in a way that I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I just – it I, seemed out, out of character for me. Well – Yes. And I think one of the
0: things that was interesting is Castle is only two years older than Victor, and yet he speaks to him in this tender, loving, mm-hmm. beautiful language and trying to make his life better than than saying, honey, we're not like the rest of them. We are not like the rest of them. Trying to keep, boy, his spirits yeah. um, for without really knowing what was in store for either of them. Yeah. And um, I found that to be one of the loveliest parts and most heartbreaking parts of the book. Agreed.
1: Yeah, there were there were a lot of pieces like that. And there yeah. were some pieces that just, these little funny moments in there. So there was one very brief shiny spot where I kept noticing um, Victor would say, all right, all right, <laughs> all, all right. right. And I could not get Matthew McConaughey <laughs> on my head when he did that. that. <laughs> so that was, that was hard. I had to pass, move past that. And then he has one part where he says, um, oh, I'm going to go to the steak and lemonade store. It's called the steak and lemonade store. <laughs> what is, what is, that's, so there's these funny little little quips, these little right. digs in there that I, I'm <laughs> sure he said purposefully as this minor break in tension because right. it, is, it is a powerful and deeply moving topic yep. that, that can cause you a lot of heartburn when you're reading through it and thinking about what the implications are. There's a whole section at the end where Victor and other characters are trying to figure out who means more does saving yourself mean more yeah. or does saving 3 million people mean more yeah. and I don't know that they came to a good realization any of the characters on no. that and that's realistic yep. because you don't know what you're going to do until you're in a situation where it's are are you going to help yourself right. or are you going to do a small thing that could affect the lives of so many others Yeah. So,
0: and just we don't have a whole lot more time but one <laughs> last thing that I thought was fascinating was at the end of the book when the power dynamic changes between him and Mr. Bridge yes I just thought that was incredibly compelling and interesting, and it showed that Victor had humanity and class and compassion, mm-hmm. which was never shown to him. Um, but in a way where you could be, it wasn't like, oh, this noble black person, you know, kind of the trite uh, driving mm-hmm. Miss Daisy.
1: It was not that. It no. was, he just got it. And yeah. um, he was trying to do a part to change mm-hmm. the story. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I will say I enjoyed this book. I'm, I'm not going to give it an A+. Plus. There, there <laughs> were a few too many things in here that I was like, I don't mm, – maybe I do need to re- read it at some point. I'll give it a B.
0: Okay. Well, that's very good. Yes. I, I did not enjoy this book. I thought this was heartbreakingly hard to read, but oh. I thought it was fabulous. Okay. So Good
1: balance. Enjoying was not, yeah. not part of it for sure. me. Sure. I, I did. It. I enjoyed the writing style, and I – I appreciate the opportunity to to think through things like this because it makes you realize how very fortunate we are Mm -hmm. and also how very close things can be to change. Yep. Yeah. Well, I picked next month's book. It is not quite so (laughs) – dense dense of a topic is this one. We need a little levity. A little levity. Well, actually, this one's got some pretty heavy themes, too, but in a different way. Okay. So next month, we're going to read The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. It's the first book in a series called His Dark Materials. It is a children's book, uh-huh. and it has been extremely highly rated and honored and gotten a lot of awards over time. Um, it's been on a bunch of the top 100 book lists. It's Definitely not something I think you would ever pick up on your own, but it is... It's I've only had like 20 years to do it, and I haven't. <laughs> it's um, it's really interesting. The main protagonist is a 12-year-old girl, and she's just kind of running free, doing her own thing. And then she is introduced to family that she has never met before, and it sends her on this really uh, intriguing journey to, to find some stolen children and to move into a new country, and it's... Um, it's got a lot of interesting over and undertones to it it's very fantasy driven each okay. of the characters have their own like spiritual companion animal so prepare yourself are there any MacNac feagles? There are no MacNac feagles, sorry. I already hate it. No, you're going to have to read it anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for joining us on your Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from.
0: And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library.
1: So join us next month when we will be reading The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Thank you so much and keep on reading.